Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brad. This is Miles. And welcome to the house. Hey, Brad, we are back inside the house. You know, at this point, I think it's safe to say that this is officially the summer of soccer. Finally, I've been waking up at six in the morning. I've been placing crazy bets, going bet ham, bet happy. Um, Argentina just suffered a crazy defeat to Croatia, 3-0. Germany lost. Freaking Brazil tied. What are we watching? I'll tell you, I always enjoy watching the World Cup, especially when the United States are in it, but this has been the most fun I've ever had watching soccer. Yes, it's been amazing. For me to wake up at 6 in the morning to watch Scrubs play, well, I did watch the France game at 6 in the morning, I love Pogba, but I've been watching, waking up at like 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning to watch Scrubs play, you know it's been a good World Cup. And there's just been so many upsets, it's yeah. unpredictable. Really low scoring so far. Like, I mean, even to get to three goals today was uh, pretty much, what do they call it, garbage time goal. So. Yeah, so it's uh, really heating up. But yep. we also just had a U.S. Open champion, Mr. Brooks Kepka. Congratulations, Bradley Thomas. I mean, Brooks Kepka and Bradley Thomas because Both of you. rightfully so, I took Brooks Kepka at plus 1,300 to win the uh, U.S. Open. Miles, I'm just going to get on my uh, my high horse real quick and let you know that I swept my four bets of placing bets, and that's uh, Justin Rose would finish better than 14th. Um, Bryson DeChambeau would finish better than 28th. He squeaked it out at 20, uh, 26th, I believe. Um, Brooks Kepka would finish better than uh, 15, and Dustin Johnson would finish better than top 10, and I swept all those and picked Brooks as the winner. Lovely, lovely, lovely U.S. Open. What were your thoughts about this tournament at Shinnecock Hales this year? So I thought that it had a lot of ups and downs. Yes. And I really enjoyed how we went into Sunday, and it was not decided until the 17th, 18th hole. Yeah, we had like five golfers tied for three over for the lead. And oh, I was just going to say, my favorite part about this tournament, hands down 150%, the most exciting part was the round that Tommy Fleetwood had on Sunday, because I kept saying, I was, I was talking to my dad during the entire tournament, I kept saying, if we get a playoff... With him and Kepka, after hit, winning. yeah, and after he's sitting in the clubhouse for three hours, yeah, that's a story. Yeah, uh, so I'll be honest, I was really rooting for that. I was a little disappointed when it didn't happen. Great round for him, uh, still a good finish. So those of you guys who don't know, Tommy Fleetwood tied the U.S. Open record with a 63 on Sunday, eight birdies, one bogey, missed a oh my god, a heartbreaker on 18 to to set the record. Would have forced the playoff. I, I just want to go ahead and say this, Miles. So you know I'm very vocal about my bets in my uh, daily fantasy sports lineups. So I made my U.S. Open lineup, and and Tommy Fleetwood was in there. And one of my buddies said, "Hey, Brad, I don't really like that Fleetwood pick." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And um, he told me to pick Luke List. And obviously, I, I think Luke List is maybe a tier three to the unknown. I think Tommy Fleetwood's a tier two. And I might have even mentioned this in our last episode that we talked about this. But for Tommy Fleetwood to put around like that, everybody who won money in daily uh, fantasy sports on the U.S. Open this year had Tommy Fleetwood in their lineup. And obviously, I won money because I had Brooks Kepka, Tommy Fleetwood, Dustin Johnson. Um, I had Ryan Fox and somebody else. Oh, and Matsuyama. So obviously, I won money with that lineup. But... I'm just so proud of the work he did. You know, it was his first Father's Day as a father, and you can tell there was something different about him that day. He was making making fairways, making putts. He started off with a 41-foot birdie putt to start his birdie birdie spree. And, I mean, even when he dropped the shot, he came back and was ready to putt. And then on 18, that putt literally was going straight until the possibly last second, and it looked like the golf gods were like, not today. 63 is the lowest, and it, like, moved it out of the way. Yeah, golf is such an individually charged sport that it's really special 
to watch a guy come out there with laser focus like that. And, and sometimes you get on the course and everything goes right. Yeah, and it, he had one of those. He had one of those days. And you know me as a big time golfer. I, I'm not the best of golfers. I'm not terrible by any means. Um, but th- there's days when I go out there and I'm looking at the scorecard. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm only one over. Like what? Where, where did this come from? It's just those days when you just know everything's clicking. And to do that on golf's biggest stage um, at a major is. I mean, he is the number one player on the European tour for a reason. And I think a lot of people, especially the guy who's telling me the Tommy Fleetwood pick was terrible, a lot of people don't realize that the success you can have coming from the European tour to the PGA tour and competing at a high level. Like you look at Danny Willett when he did it and won the made won the Masters. Well, he I don't think he really won it. I think Spieth lost it, but still, Danny Willett was in the top what three uh of the European tour at that time. Tommy Fleetwood is a household name that everyone better recognize because this guy is the real deal. He pipes the ball. He knows how to make putts. He keeps he keeps himself really composed because um, I don't know if you paid attention to his round on Saturday, but on Saturday, at one point, I was like, Tommy Fleetwood's about to be out of this. I think he was eight over on Saturday. And Saturday was a tough day because the greens weren't holding and, and it was really windy, but still, eight over on moving day is not the way you want to go. And all eyes will be on him as we head into the Open Championship. Yeah, definitely. Another thing I want to congratulate Brooke Kepka on is not giving up. Um, the first day of the U.S. Open, when the leader in the clubhouse of the 69, Brooks Kepka, six strokes off the lead with the 75, I really thought, you know, I had Brooks Kepka, I really thought, I was like, well, my winner's not winning. And he comes back in on, on uh, Friday and shoots a 66. And I think that was the low round for the day, too. I was like, Brooks, you really are ready and poised. And you know what he said after... Um, after shooting that 66, in his interview, he said, I know that I can repeat as winner because I am the most confident golfer out here. And it took that confidence because um, on Saturday, he started out so well. He started out two under, and then you could tell the wind started picking up and the course started drying out. But for him to, all the all of the bad shots that came between Saturday and Sunday from him, for him to convert pars or, or, or save bogeys in situations where it's him double bogeys, that just shows you the heart that he had to, to get through the finish line because he knew he was so close. That shot on 18, the nerves got to him, uh, his approach shot, and it went wide left, and he chipped up. For him to sink that putt and not have to go to the playoff, kudos to you. Kudos to you, Brooks, because you deserve you deserve everything that you got in this tournament. You didn't. No one, no one gifted you this tournament. You grinded it out. I wanted to dig in and find the narrative here, and I think you hit the nail on the head because the name of the game for Kepka this weekend was recovery. All right, so last show uh, we had mentioned that the heavy hitters were going to do well at this course due to the rain conditions, things like that. Uh, that showed with Kepka's driving distance. His average driving distance was good for number two in the tournament. He hit the ball for an average of 318 yards on his drives. I want to compare that to Justin Rose, who also finished in the top 10, who was only cranking at about 300 yards. Yes. That helped him. But here is where he had trouble. Only 36 out of 56 fairways hit in regulation, ranked 55th overall in the field. But then he comes back, hits 49 out of 72 greens in regulation, ranking in the top five for the tournament. So every time he hit, the, he, he he may have missed that fairway. Yeah, it was the recovery. You you mentioned that Aaron shot on, on eighteen. I think that was the perfect example and the perfect way uh, for him to end his round to come back and just have a great approach on the green because that that's the story that we saw with him this weekend. Definitely, and I mean, I I, I told you, I, I I told I told everybody, uh, the the player who's going to make win this tournament is it's your typical it's your typical 
deep ball hitter who makes putts. I mean, you look at Brooks Kepka, you look at Tommy Fleetwood, you look at Dustin Johnson. Okay, Dustin Johnson had the absolute worst putting display in this tournament, so he didn't make putts. That's why he didn't win. Patrick Reed, Tony Finau, like, just look at the names of these guys who crank the ball and they, and they, they make putts. I knew. I, I also want to give props to Tony Finau and Daniel Berger for both. They were 11 strokes back on moving day. And both fire off 66 before all the uh, all the, the the wind and the, the course conditions changed. But when they were at the top of the leaderboard, that was something that I knew. This is going to be a, a learning moment for both these guys because I knew neither one of those guys would win this, win this major. I said, it's going to be someone who's done this before. And that turned out to be our back-to-back winner. So I want to get your thoughts on... What are your thoughts on Phil taking that two-stroke penalty on 13? Yeah, that was the other big storyline of the weekend. It was very bizarre. I really hadn't seen anything like it. What it reminded me of was it it reminded me of being on the greens with my buddies. Or you're on a date with a girl trying to be cute and stopping the ball on a mini golf course. It was embarrassing. Yeah, and you know, um, I did hear someone's take on this, and I didn't even think about this, but this is brilliant what they said. Phil Mickelson was using the rules to his advantage because him getting that two-stroke penalty probably saved him four strokes probably save him another two strokes because that ball was I, I don't know if you are familiar with 13 green where that pin that pin was cut in a freaking terrible location for the course conditions if you if you blow it by you're going all the way off the green into the valley into the gully now you're now you have an uphill now you have an uphill lie into an uphill shot with a backstop green but if you hit the backstop you're rolling back down so let's say he that putt rolls off right so now he's got one shot back up now it rolls back down a little get little bit. Now he's got another shot to putt, and it's not a guarantee. So let's say it's a one or two putt. That's three to four strokes he saved, you know? Yeah, that's not what this is about, though. I, I think that that is a completely bullshit uh, I, I, narrative for him to spin. And no, no, he didn't say what, that. What he did. No, he, he, he did try. He did try to do that in his interview. Yeah, after, right he, after, heard, he, did. after he heard an, 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 an analysis say. He, he was that's a, what I'm saying. He was backpedaling. He, yes, he was. He did say that. He was definitely... Um, he was saying that he was using the rules to his advantage, and they yeah. said, "Well, what what do you think about etiquette? What do you think about the USGA inviting you out here?" I mean, I, I definitely was, agree with I, your backpedaling. It was um, what was it? What was the saying? Joe Buck said, "Let's not embarrass the golfers." He was trying not to be embarrassed on the golf course for taking a three foot putt to let it roll. All I think there's the no green. excuse for what he did. I don't care if you're using the rules to your advantage. I I, I don't care what you're doing. You, you are a professional golfer. You can't be out there making moves like that, especially as a veteran. It, it, I, it it's unfair to the game it's unfair to himself and, and, and he came out and said how embarrassed he was about it a week later you know i and he should be i think that he's to be one perfectly honest i don't think that he actually meant he was embarrassed um as a golfer he's trying to show his remorse because he knows yeah, he knows that, that what he did was ridiculous he knows the fan okay see as a big as an avid golfer you're getting even eaten alive by a golf course right and now imagine being a pro getting eaten alive by a golf course what was he 10 over well, at you're a professional wait listen there are there are there's rule there's etiquettes and rules for golfers, but there's also etiquette and rules for the guy who cuts the cups where they decide to put the pin locations. But every jo- golfer was dealing with that with yes, those same conditions. It go- wasn't just Phil. And every golfer was complaining, and every golfer was upset because they felt that they were being embarrassed. They're professional golfers missing three foot putts that are going twenty feet past the hole. That your biggest problem as a golf course designer is you don't want to lose the faith. Of the golfers who are playing it, right? But are we are we talking about a, a different point now? Because because like, I don't know. Like, are you still trying to, to justify what Phil did? No, I'm not justifying it. I'm saying I understand why he did it. 
I'm not saying it was the right or wrong thing, but I get it. It was the wrong it. thing. It was, I, it was I, the I wrong thing to do. I, 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 I obviously understand why he did it because they did feel embarrassed and they were missing those putts and he was frustrated. There's still no excuse for for what he did. I have I take no problem with it, especially because I have played courses where you're like, you got to be kidding me. What is this pin location? But we're talking about professional golfers. Exactly. Exactly. You're talking about professional golf courses. Golf. You're talking about professional golfers, which means that pin location is probably a thousand times harder. But we're all playing with the same conditions. Yes. And it, that, so he's the one that that but, wants to act but out. No. 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 The biggest rule of golf. Unless you're playing match plays, you're not playing your opponent, you're playing the golf course. The golf course was playing him, and he acted out against the golf course. He's like, you know what, F this, I'm going to do this. And and, and that's, I, I don't find any fault in that. He shouldn't have done it, but I don't blame him. That's all I have to say about that. I got nothing more to say. Um, so it was a great tournament. Uh, Justin Rose couldn't quite quite get to the finish line i really like xander coming back uh, xander xander Shoffley having a good round Henrik stinson kind of faltered in those last two rounds um dustin johnson needs to go and make work on his putting it wasn't even that he was having bad touch his alignment was so poor and that cost him the tournament so miles we have beat the dead horse you think phil was you think phil was out of line i think phil was 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 in line so but one thing we can agree on we got to watch some great Sunday golf. Yeah, it was uh, competitive until the very end, and it, it was it was a good good arc. It was a good story arc. There were a lot of good names on top of the leaderboard. There was yeah. really nothing to complain about on Sunday. You remember what I said? I said I don't care what happens as long as we don't have another runaway. And I thought Dustin Johnson about the runaway. Listen, <clears throat> before Saturday's round, I on the phone with my dad. He's like, "Are you gonna watch the U.S. Open today?" I go, "Yeah, it's gonna suck." Dustin Johnson's going to run away with this. And before I even made it home, you had texted me and you said, what is Dustin Johnson doing? And what is it? We just doubled. Was it the first or the second hole? Second. Yeah, he doubled the second Both hole. I was like, the leaders. Doubled. I was like, okay, well, let me get let me get to my house and turn this on. I just got like, well, I was like, what? I think I was at the gym. or Oh, no, I was playing golf. And I was like, rush home, rush home. But with that being said, let's transition into the major thing that's happening in the NBA today. All right, we have the NBA draft tonight, which, yes. you know, is is really exciting. I think it's... There's much more to be excited about if you're as big of a college basketball, you know, fans as as we are. And yeah, for me, I can tell you that this was the mo- my most closely watched college basketball season that I've ever done. It was really exciting getting to the players because we're living in an era where these guys are only playing for one or two years. Yeah, yeah and, so and, and now, now tonight, boom, they're they're coming into the NBA. So they, in that case, because I know that you and I have argued a lot about. Uh, NCAA regulations and how long should these guys be in school but I will say I'm going to bask in the positivity and that it's fun to watch these guys go to the NBA so quickly so um, tonight history will be made will potentially be made we'll have our first prep to pro um, in this new modern era yeah and, and I saw the magic were uh, going after him in the second round yeah Anthony Anthony Simmons uh, plays at uh, IMG Academy here in Orlando did the prep to pro for you guys who don't know he instead of him going to college for one year, he stayed and played in prep school as a graduate student um, for one year. Miles, I know this is not on topic, but if you could have one player, it doesn't matter what player. You're a Magic fan, um, and I'm a Magic fan. So who would it be? Just one player in this draft. Well, I'm gonna. Is this as a Magic fan? Yeah, anybody. Not it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's pretend pretend we can have one through one hundred pick. What pick? What, what? Who would you want? I'm just gonna. Go away from DeAndre Ayton. I mean, because I just feel like, okay, that's the number one overall pick. Yeah. But me, for the Magic, I want Bamba. Yeah. That's what I've been saying all week that, I mean, and now he may fall to six. Yep. It's, multiple, it's possible. Multiple games with three 
blocks and three three pointers. I want size. So for me, freak athleticism. And, yeah, and and you and I have talked about this before, not just for the Magic, but for anybody to compete with these super teams. You have to have some kind of let's say, defensive prowess to yeah. guard these shooters. So why not go with size? And you know you have to have that unicorn. If you look at every great team, they have a unicorn. This one freak, Kevin Durant, LeBron Durant's James. Durant's a great example. Uh, I mean, just look at, go through all the lists. Uh, Giannis, the Greek freak. Everyone yeah. has unicorns on their team. That's what sets them apart. You, it's, we're Porzingis. Going, is Porzingis, yeah. The unicorn. Um, if, I, if not Bamba, I'd want, I want Marvin Bagley. Um, really terrified of his knees, but... I would take that. Um, so what we're going to talk about in this segment, we're going to pick it. We're going to pick an impact player that we think is going to have a great impact right away uh, after they're drafted, and then we're going to talk about a sleeper that we should keep our eye on. Miles, uh, I'll let you start off this. Who's your impact player? All right. So when I was thinking about the impact player, my number one goal was to th- was to already think about a team that is either uh, on the rise or a team that's ready to compete now. Right. Okay. So who's going who can make a great impact on one of those teams. And I and I'm going to go with my favorite college basketball player this past season, Mikhail Bridges, who is currently <laughs> projected in the top 12, 11, and I'm going to break down three main reasons that I think an instant impact, all right? He's not going to be a star. I'm going to tell you that right now. He's sitting at 67, 210 yet. Yet. I don't think he has uh as much star upside as a lot of other players in this draft, but what he does provide is a very strong supporting player. All right? We know he can shoot. Yeah. Coming off the bench, we know he can knock down open threes. We know he can play in transition. We know that he has a lot of experience. Man is the perfect complementary player to any team. For me, the perfect fit, the 76ers. I think hands down, If uh, I think they pick a 10. If they can get Bridges at 10, I will be very excited to see what he can provide for them this season. You know, I'm so happy you said that, and I'm... I, I'm man. I tell you, all the girls in my life tell me they're so ups, so annoyed of me talking about how much I love Mikel Bridges. I had the biggest basketball crush on him last season. Um, you were a huge Nova guy, yeah, for um, sure. So I'm gonna tell you this. You know who I see a lot of him in? A lot of them in this person. A lot of him in that person. Whatever how you want to say it. Clay Thompson. When Clay Thompson came out, they said Clay Thompson won't be a superstar. Clay Thompson, he could shoot threes. He's lengthy. He's rangy. He's he can defend on the perimeter. It's the exact same thing as Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges, he's old. He's there's no upside. Clay Thompson, no upside. He's he's too old. He he's just good for shooting threes. He he can guard on perimeter. I, those are big shoes to fill, but I would not be surprised to see something like that. And I love your pick. I, I went a little different route because I'm just really obsessed with this player. Um, just because of the production against good teams he's had, and that's Marvin Bagley III. My man's sitting at 6'11", 235 pounds. And a little bit different than, um, a lot of people were saying, well, Duke bigs don't really normally do well, and you think about, um, what's his name, uh, Jaleel Okafor. Different player, very different player. Marvin Bagley, um, he's, a, he's a good one-on-one defender where Okafor was kind of glued to the ground. Marvin Bagley's a way better athlete. Um, you know what's a stat that doesn't lie? point offensive rebounds per game and you know first team first team all ACC uh, ACC player of the year ACC rookie of the year first team all American 21 points per game and 11 rebounds per game between 37 39.7 points per game you know one stat that I that really jumped out on the page to me six plus games with 30 more 30 or more points against Texas who was a solid program and going against the guy we both want to play with the magic right. 34 and 15. Against Florida, another solid team. Florida was ranked at seventh at the time, was thirty and fifteen. 
I think that Marvin Bagley will have to get better guarding these post guys. But let's be honest. The way the NBA is going now, we're getting away from these bigs that are just dominating in the post. That's why I think he'll be successful because he's not going to be going against you know the old school bruisers like the Shaqs or the Kendrick Perkins of 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 the old. Now he's going against these stretch guys, and I mean sometimes, like let's say he's uh, whatever team makes it to the let's say he goes. This is a, a fantasy situation, but he plays on a team that makes it to the championship in the, on the East Coast. And he's playing against uh, the Golden State Warriors. You can keep Bagley out there even if they don't have a JaVel McGee out on the floor. And that's what I like about him because he he's he's good enough to cover one-on-one face-up defense. Um, so that's my impact player. Uh, I'm going to move over to my sleeper. Um, this sleeper, if he would have went to the draft last year, he would have probably been a lottery or a first-round pick. This year, I think his supporting cast around him hurt him because he's not necessarily – built for a team that doesn't have shooters. He needs people to spread the floor for them. And that's that's um Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky. 6'5, 200 pounds, seven foot wingspan, projected mid thirties, forties. Uh, um I what I really like about him is his athleticism. He forty four point five max vert. Um went down this year to forty four, I believe. Really good in transition. Um really good at attacking the rim and finishing strong. What I really like about that is you know that he's gonna go up high and come down hard kind of unpolished but the problem with Kentucky is if you don't come in with an offensive game even if you spend two years there you're not going to really get an offensive game just because of the star power and those guys a lot of Kentucky gets a lot of guys with polished offensive games already you're not going to get the ball I mean he only averaged 10 points per game and most of those 10 points per game were him going up high and, and shutting it down hard who's your uh your sleeper, I'm, I'm curious. So my sleeper uh, would be an, another one of my favorite players to watch last season, Javon Carter out of West Virginia. I like that. I think that somewhere in the second round, I think someone's going to get a steal here. And I think that he kind of has that X factor that you can't really have on paper. He's, yes. he's got that physicality. Gritty. He, he's, got, he's gritty. He's got that um, ability to provide a spark off the bench, which is kind of underrated, I feel like, in the NBA. You know, it, it's more valued in college basketball, I feel like, just because the game ebbs and flows more. Now... He had a very unique situation in West Virginia where he was asked to do a lot yes. in that uh, press defense and in that half-court offense. He was asked to do too much, whereas in the NBA, he's going to be able to create more high-percentage shots that he wasn't getting um, at West Virginia. But I don't want to talk about his shooting because I think that he provides enough value as a floor general than he does as a shooter. Yes, and a lockdown defender. These point guard, I mean, put him up against a John Wall, and, and I think we're going to have a battle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, th- and you said defense. The key stat I had: three point four steals per forty minutes for yes. Javon Carter. And if you had the gift to watch him play a game last year, then then you would know exactly what I'm talking about because he was all over the floor. Yes, he's for that a pit team. bull. Uh, the only uh, stat that I found really interesting was. Trey Young went off against West Virginia. Uh, he averaged 30.5 points per game against uh, West Virginia last year. The only reason I bring that up is because I wanted to bring up other NBA talent uh, that he may have played. Yeah. But we also all know that Trey Young was the only shooter on that Oklahoma team. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to put too much stock into that. And then my last point about Javon Carter is that I was trying to think of what player might remind me of him. And you know what player kind of reminds me of him? Uh, when he wasn't scoring as much was Jameer Nelson back in his Orlando Magic days of 07, 08, 09. Because Jameer was my favorite player okay. uh, back in high school. I feel like Jameer definitely scored a lot more than Javon would, and, and he's not as defensive-minded, but I feel like he's one of those well-rounded point guards that always was able to provide energy when he was on the floor. 
Yeah, you know, that's funny. My my uh, Jameer Nelson comparison is Jalen Brunson, but that's neither here nor there. I want to tell a story <clears throat> that a lot of people don't know. So, um, Javon Carter only got one D1 scholarship offer. And it's a story about Bob Huggins. When Bob Huggins went to an AAU tournament, this is maybe when the guy was, John Carter was like 15 years old, 15 or 16 years old. Javon Carter was the only player in the entire gym playing press coverage every single game from the entire length of the court from start to finish in this AAU tournament. Bob Huggins said, Bob Huggins said, I want that guy on my team. I don't care what offers he has. I'm going to offer him because I know that he is going to work hard, he's going to be a grinder. And for Javon Carter to have this opportunity, because, you know, before this whole draft, I mean, before the, this whole um, college career, he wasn't even projected to be an NBA player. And now he's going to have the opportunity. I think that at one point in his career, he will be an NBA starter. And he has the opportunity to get drafted. They might send him down to the D League. I hope, I mean, the G League now. I hope they don't, because I think that he will provide great, He's he has basketball IQ so high, he will be a great second or third option at the point guard for any team you, you have any honorable mentions uh you know watching texas a&m make their run in the ncaa tournament i thought that robert williams was another one that's he's not even projected to get drafted he's right a freak. now uh 8.7 rebounds 2.5 blocks per game really athletic another one of those players that you know really stood out for me in the ncaa tournament so just kind of fresh in the brain there this was uh, uh my honorable mention is probably doesn't even deserve to be in the sleeper category because I think that he is another player who will go in there and have an immediate impact. But just because I think he's still being rated a little bit lower than he should, it's Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is explosive. He's quick. He's 6'9", six, 7-foot wingspan. 15.6 per game was not too good because he had a, a couple really bad outings. But 34 points, 7 rebounds against West Virginia, which is a solid defensive team, which is huge. I think that Kevin Knox, another Kentucky player, has the ability to to transform a, a franchise. He's kind of like um kind of like a, a Michael Porter Jr. where both these guys, one of them can be great, one of them could suck. They both could suck, they both could be great. It's really just how how they can transition to the NBA. And I think out of most of those guys going to the lottery offensively, Kevin Knox has that NBA game. He he struggled from three point, but he he has the ability to create his own shot. He has a a beautiful floater which means he can float over bigs but he's already 6'10 you know almost 6'10 so he's my sleeper I like it a lot of talent tonight yes I'm excited for the draft I have no no draft bets I, I I made myself a promise that I will not make I always make draft bets but this draft I said I'm not making any draft bets because I want to be able to enjoy it and not root for players to go certain places I want to be surprised and we, and we got plenty of betting going on with the World Cup anyway, yeah we do so. <laughs> way more than we should Miles um, any parting words uh, all I can say is look out for uh, the show this summer. We're going to be talking about football. We're yes, going to be talking about a lot, lot of football. That's of coming football. up. We're going to break down divisions. We're going to break down conferences, uh, come out with predictions, and uh, maybe uh, help you on your bets this fall. I'm super excited for all of you beautiful people out there who listen to us every episode, every other episode, whenever you get a chance in the car ride. Download our episode. Subscribe. Rate. You can find us on iTunes at Welcome to the House. You can find us on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud even at Welcome to the House. Just make sure you're there and uh, show us a shout-out every now and then. Just say what's up. We want to get to know you guys. Anything you want to hear us talk about, just shoot us a line. I want to thank you guys. As always, take it easy. Take it easy.